For thousands of years, we have known that unicorns are the most fuckable mythical creature and that the Earth is flat. Zack and Jesse beg to differ. Welcome to the Round Earthers Society. Welcome to the Round Earthers Society. I'm Zach. I'm Jesse. All right. And I think last week I said we were going to knock the show into the fucking stratosphere. Okay. We're going to knock this into the fucking space of fear, which is right past the stratosphere. I'm pretty sure. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Jared. Isn't that it? Yeah, I hope yeah. that would be really embarrassing. Okay. That's the, so. government, that's the, that's the government name, but that's good. Uh, from uh, the the White Pants Society, or or do you usually have it as like what is WTWS? Yeah, what is TWS? The White Pants Society. Uh, either one is good. Okay. Um, so I guess let's kick it off. Do you want to just uh, tell us a little bit about your show, kind of what you do? Yeah, I mean it's just. Barbershop Talk used to have a, a co-host, used to be like you guys, and uh, actually be able to have a conversation with a human being. You know, these days, it's just talking to myself for 30 minutes, but uh, I try to make it as interesting as possible. Yeah, it's it's hard to do that. It's hard to talk to yourself for for an extended period of time and make it, make it entertaining as well. I feel like I'm a, I'm a professional at talking to myself. My mother always said that was a bad thing, but now I've I've made a, a career out of it. Well, you proved her wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, mom. <laughs> so, how long how long have you been doing your show? Oh man, it's a little embarrassing, but uh, I guess I just guess I'm like four years in. Uh, uh, it's a little embarrassing for us too. I think we're like we're like three years in, but uh, yeah. But at the same time, man, some of those times we were we weren't as good as we are today, and, and we weren't putting out as much content. We're trying to put out more and more content and be more, I don't know, accountable and I don't know. We're trying to take responsibility for our lives. (laughs) We're we're trying to be like real adults. Um Okay. So what kind what kind of I mean I I listened I listened to your episode on uh, I think you talked about Black Lives Matter on that one. Um I have done some of that recently. Yeah. Uh I know you've done other stuff. Do you, I mean, things have changed quite a bit lately. Are you trying to, are you trying to stay away from politics or are you, would you say you're diving deeper in it than you Man, normally would? I, I originally wanted to stay away from it. You know, like, like you guys said last week, like it's just everywhere that, you know, Corona politics, Black Lives Matter, all that stuff is everywhere. It's, it's depressing sometimes to so like, you know, turn on the computer every morning and just get bombarded with, you know, bullshit. But uh, a couple of things have happened recently that made me feel like I had to speak on them, you know. Mm-hmm. You know Kanye West kind of deserves attention when he does something, so I had to do that. <laughs> what's your, yeah, what's your take on Kanye? Because I, I have my own take on him, but I'd, I'd love to hear yours. Um, I'm a big mental health <laughs> advocate, so uh, I am hoping and praying that Kanye West gets the help uh, that he's so desperately desperately needs uh, but yeah it's it's pure insanity man like uh 
you do a rally in a bulletproof vest with like blonde streaks in your hair and you cry yes. about abortion, it, it gets, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think, because I, I, watch, I watched almost all of it. The problem is, is they didn't even, I don't even think they recorded it, right? So the only recordings you can find on YouTube are people that recorded it in the audience. Yeah. So the sound is, I mean, it's terrible. I don't know, I don't know why you would do this. But the parts where he cried, like I, I do get what he was saying because he was kind of going through about maybe pressuring Kim into having an abortion, which they didn't go through with, and then talking about his own father not wanting him. I get like, I mean, it makes sense why he was crying. Now, is it was his was his uh, his whole thing a little over the top? I mean, it certainly is. I don't think though it's just a, I don't think it's just a sideshow, and I don't think it's just mental illness. I think that he might actually run for president at some point. I mean, yeah, he's he's not stopping this campaign. I keep uh, waiting for like it to be over, <laughs> uh, but apparently it continues. And, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. No, no, I I just you know I, I think he is a Trump supporter. Has always been a Trump supporter, and this is his biggest show of support for Trump so far. I think that's probably true, but I I think though he could run in the future because he's still young enough, man, and he. He hits on some issues that I mean that that I care about that that makes sense to me, and I think are intelligent. And then he says he throws some crazy stuff in too. He's like, uh, you know, I think we should give a million dollars everybody who has a, who has a child. And it's like, well, okay, okay. On the surface, sure, that sounds great, but you couldn't actually do this, right? I think so, we should have nationwide ice cream Thursdays. Yeah, that's it's like it's like vermin. Some of it's like vermin supreme type stuff, you know? Because didn't vermin supreme doesn't he want to give everybody a pony? <laughs> like that so because because i actually you know i i didn't really know much about kanye into the whole uh i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> so then i was at the time that was like the first time i'd seen him and i was like oh this guy's an asshole <laughs> and then i don't know he slowly growed on me <laughs> and then it, got to, it gets to the point where i'm listening to kanye albums <laughs> so i guess whatever he's doing is working <laughs> jesus is a genius album i don't think it could ever be topped <laughs> Um, he he lost me a long time ago Uh, i was a huge kanye fan but uh yeah he lost me a long time ago when did he lose you (laughs) probably after i want to say like graduation like 808s and heartbreak is uh a horrible album in my opinion like he was he's one of the greatest producers of all time and uh yeah 808s and heartbreak was just okay that's that's where things got uh, off the rails you meant he lost you musically. I thought you meant like he lost you like as a, as like a fan, you know, or something like that, or just, or that, you know, he'd done something that, you know, pushed you away or something like that. Oh yeah. I mean, just the whole, you know, once you, I feel like if you're a genius, uh, people will tell you or people will call you a genius. Uh, when you have to start telling people you're a genius or repeating over and over again, that you're a genius or the, I think around that time he said he was the greatest artist of his generation or the greatest artist of all time. Something like, when you have to start saying that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, you've, you've lost me. Yeah. Let the fans say it, let the people who listen to you say it. Um, if you feel the need to tell people, then it's probably not true. Yeah. I find that when I declare myself a genius people, <laughs> there seems to be some pushback. <laughs> uh, to me, what this strikes me as is one huge, very public manic episode. Uh, yeah. which, which I, I honestly think that is what, that's what it is, is I think because he's, I know he's bipolar and I know mania and that's really <laughs> what it seems like. 
Maybe. I, I just don't, I don't want to discount everything though. I don't want to say that, okay, you know, it's just, it's just this. Cause I think there is a piece of them that's serious. It's just, you know, how much of it, right? Well, I mean, cause I mean, some of those pieces are like, he, he is saying some crazy stuff and I know I, it seems like he is going through a lot and hell man, anyone married to a Kardashian. I mean, you're, you're asking for it, dude. I mean, like, exactly. you know, so I don't, I don't know if it's all him and you know, he says some of the stuff about Kim and I just have a feeling like that's not the best family being married into. I mean, if it's, if it's serious, you know, you start running when everybody else starts running, you give, you give us, you know, some time to hear your platform, what your plans are, what it is, your policies are. Um, yeah. When you do this like three, four months before the, you know, for election day and you start saying stuff like uh free weed for everybody and a million dollars with kids. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is just one big it's either a manic episode or he's the the world's hugest troll. Like, no, I can't well, figure it out. I think it's a little bit of both, but I, I I do think that it was setting up for a potential twenty twenty four run for him. Like I think this is laying a little bit of groundwork and maybe he really is just trying to screw Joe Biden with black voters. That's possible. Because he didn't start this you know, he didn't start really saying much of anything until it was a little bit after the whole, uh, the whole Joe Biden, you ain't black moment, right, you know, right. and, and then he was, and, and I think Kanye actually, I think he makes a good point because he keeps saying one thing, he keeps saying something, basically the idea of, hey, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't own our votes, you know, like just because we're black doesn't mean we have to vote for the Democratic Party. No, yeah, absolutely true. And I, and I get that. Um, but to me, this election is no longer uh Republican versus Democrat. This is, you know, this is Trump versus not Trump. And, uh, you know, he, he knows where his votes are coming from. Nobody that's a Trump supporter woke up with, after he had that rally and was like, oh, Kanye's running? Oh, this changes everything. Like, no. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And that's true. That That's all definitely true, I think. But um, I still, <laughs> like, you know, I hope, whatever it is, man, I, I hope he does, you know, get better. Because I do think he's, you know, he, he's certainly... Seems like he's certainly suffering to some extent, but that could just be because he's married to Kim. So <laughs> <laughs> that shit might drive me crazy too. I don't know. <laughs> so what? What? I guess. I guess my question is: What? Like, is it? Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything you think is important to address right now? Man, what's important to address? Uh, I just mental health in general, I guess, is, is my thing. Because uh, you know, with this pandemic and being inside, and uh, I'm on social media like way more than I I, I want to admit. And it, the world is is freaking crazy. It's insane. Um, man, I, I'm also next month will be 18 months of sobriety for me, and. Uh, listening to you guys show was the most aware I've ever been of how sober I am. Like I was clearly not high enough for that discussion, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I can interject some good points into this show. But yeah, I'm just, you know, I worry about people. I worry about uh, the world in general because uh, what I see in here right now is insane. Uh, well, I think the, I think part of that it's, it's mostly to me, it's like the, the media, everything, like it looks insane, right? Like you read, when you go on, CNN, Fox News, all these different places, and, and you just see what happens on social media, you think that the world is just tremendously fucked up. And then you go outside, and things, <laughs> things are calm, right? Yeah. Like you go outside, your neighbor waves at you, 
even if it's a neighbor you well, hate. Well, now it depends on where you live. <laughs> but you because go, there are some places where things are not okay. Yeah, you know, there's probably yeah. some, but most places are, are pretty chill. And you can just go outside and you, it's just like nothing's happening. You know, like it, it's almost like there's a real world and like just the social media world and media world. It's all like, it's like two different things. And one is more real than the other. And you like go outside and things are fine. People are still surviving. You see everybody kind of basically getting along, you know, and you know, you go to your, go to your favorite shops and whatever and do whatever, you know, and everything's cool. And then you get on social media and it's just, it's just this fucking rat infested hellhole, you know, <laughs> and it makes it, I think it just makes everybody feel worse. Like it's just, cause all you see, it seems like we're, we're programmed to latch onto the negativity. So we just keep, it's just like this place of like festering negativity. And then you go in the real world. That's at least that's how it feels to me. Yeah, everybody's everybody's braver online, and they get to say uh, it gives every you know nut job a platform, and and no matter what it is you come up with, you're gonna find people to agree with it. You know, if you say the sky is purple, there's probably a whole website dedicated to that, and uh, it, it just but then it makes you when you go outside, like you start looking at people differently. Like, are are you you know MAGA twenty twenty? all day from Twitter. Like, are you the guy that I, I just had an argument with on Facebook? Like, you know, uh, I wonder, yeah, I see the, the, the neighbors that wave at me and it's just like, yeah, are you, are you the same troll? I was just having a discussion with you know, for three days. You know, so, yeah. so it makes you question uh, regular society too, <laughs> like the social media part. It does. Somebody has to be these people. Like well, maybe, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm arguing with a bunch of robots. I don't know. But. <laughs> I think uh, it's obvious that the internet gives people an excuse to be the worst versions of themselves yeah, possible. I agree with that. You know, uh, it's it's the same thing when anyone you know gets gets into this because social media to me is a constant sense of mob mentality. Like, yeah. like you're always in that mode when you're engaging in those kinds of discussions. And the mob mentality is what enables people to behave extremely poorly. Um, but it's fucking nuts. It's <laughs> now, uh, yeah. Uh, where, did you say where you were from, man? Because I guess I didn't. I haven't seen that yet. So I, uh, I'm I'm originally from Washington D.C. I've been in uh, Austin, Texas, for the last I want to say eight years. So yeah, I've, I've had two. I've had a huge culture shift and. Uh, Still trying to get used to it. Austin's fucking nice. I've been there. I have family down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Austin, man. It's not what I thought about when I thought of Texas. I thought like cowboys and tumbleweeds, and it's uh, <laughs> yeah, more it's a, yeah. It's a bunch of hipster shit. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just it's it's hilarious, man. I've seen like real life drum circles since I've been down here, man. I've been invited to burns and all kinds of stuff, man. That's funny. Now, when you were in D.C., were you, uh, did you get involved in any of the, any protests or anything like that? Because, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in D.C. all the time, isn't there? Yeah, I, I actually worked for the White House for like uh, two years, and uh, I didn't get involved in protests, but I walked outside of my job for lunch into protest pretty much every day. I worked there during the, uh, during the Bush administration. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I come outside and don't let them shoot you in the face or, you work for that fascist. And I'm, like, man, I just, I'm an ITA. I help him print. That's about it. <laughs> I'm I'm hitting Control P all day long. Don't blame me. Go. Yeah, well, it, was, it was crazy because I was uh, 
uh, I was I was pretty close. I won't say close, but uh, I did a lot of work for Carl Rove, and uh, he was a you know a cool dude. Like personally, like you know, we'd have conversations, and he was always nice to me and everything. And I like, come home and tell my mom I was hanging out with Carl Rove, and she looked at me like I was you know talking to the devil or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of that now. I mean, it's like it's almost like if you're even engaging in discussion with what people consider the the other side or whatever you want to say now now you're complicit in whatever in whatever they're pushing and i mean that's completely insane to me um because you know without conversation there's no way to change anything Uh, yeah that was that was the original like hope for my podcast before it turned into a one-man show every week but uh, yeah, i wanted to have more like engaging conversations with people with opposing points of view or just different points of view you know you don't get any you don't get any sharper by listening to people that agree with you or talking to people that agree with you all day you just totally agree Absolutely. dig deeper into your own madness you know? uh, and it seems like you know almost and I hate to say it because I'm I'm extremely I, I'm pretty far left here, and it seems like the left has lost some kind of sense of civility, and I think the right has to an extent as well. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I, I heard a I think it was Jesse that said it on your last show. Like, you know, you don't change people's minds by like telling them how stupid they are. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's where we've gotten like listen to some of the things people on the other side say and it's just like the response is you know that's stupid you're insane what's wrong with you the whole mask thing like you know telling people that they're dumb for not wearing them is not going to make them wear them like they have to then they'd have to admit that they're dumb and they're not going to do that you know so i've never had a productive conversation where i'm just yelling in someone's face and calling them stupid and a fucking racist and whatever it is right. you know well that's what some people they piggybacked on the whole thing because you know herman cain just died yeah. and uh some people were like dunking on herman cain because he said he wasn't gonna wear a mask and you know he was a 74 year old cancer survivor and stuff probably had a weakened immune system because of it and uh you know people were dunking on him about that it's like i mean you know, he, 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 that's how he wanted to live. I mean, that was his life. I mean, the guy had a, you know, he, he had a ton of achievement in his life, whether you like him or not, you know, like he's, he did a, you know, and he lived to 74. I mean, you know, I think he's pretty happy and he was religious. So I'm, I'm assuming, you know, he, he wouldn't take anything back even if he could, but it's just, I mean, I don't know. I hate that stuff. I hate the, the dunking on people when they're dead, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't like any of that. Now, because I, th- I think in that same conversation, I brought up that Daryl Davis. Are you familiar with him? I looked it up uh, after listening to the show. Yeah, because I, I love his story. Because he was on Joe Rogan, man. He has a good couple-hour Joe Rogan uh, podcast, you know, and you can watch the video on, on YouTube. And it's really good. And he just has – I didn't know much about him until a couple years ago. And just just by him going out, man, and, and literally meeting with KKK members, you know, it he just got all these, you got 200 people at least to, to leave the KKK, you know, and he has a bunch of the robes, which is just, I mean, it's a crazy story. I'm, um, but it takes, I mean, it just takes a tremendous amount of balls to even do what he does. That's what crazy. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't imagine it, man. Like have being able to have those conversations and, uh, and not get angry and not turn into the whole, you know, like we were just saying the whole, you know, fuck it, you're dumb. Like, you know, 
you're an idiot, shut the fuck up, that kind of thing. I mean, that, those would be the first things that come to mind or just to walk away or get in a fist fight or something. But, uh, yes, I, I'm going to have to dig into that story and find out more about this guy and, like, how he, like, woosahed his way through these conversations to to get 200 plus people to give up their robes. Man. Yeah. He, uh, he gets a, he gets in depth on the Joe Rogan podcast because he goes back like, like 30 years, you know, and starts talking through some of the stories where he thought he was going to die, you know, like, cause it, was, cause it was one, it was a KKK member who like, it, and I can't remember exactly what his rank was, but he wasn't like a lower rank, you know, and he had like a bodyguard there who had like a gun on him and stuff. And he kind of, he goes through this whole story about how he thought the guy was going to kill him and stuff. It's, it's really good. It's really good. And I'm, I don't know. I really like Daryl Davis. Yeah, man, that, that definitely seems like an interesting story. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you. <laughs> I haven't reached that level of zen where I could have those conversations, <laughs> or or be around someone with like a bodyguard, armed bodyguard, know that they hate me, and uh, and figure out a way to, to sit and be civil. I'm working on it. I'm praying about it. Yeah, it's just with how everything is. It's, it's really hard to have a conversation with anybody. I I find that even when I'm talking to other people on the left, uh, I get called out for not being far enough left, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what I can do. Um, and like, I got a lot of pushback because, you know, I personally, I, I don't really care for the rioting and the violence that's going on. I think that's, you know, I don't like, you know, I don't like violence. I think it's a poor solution to, you know, problems. I, I think it, I think it pushes you back. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I got a lot of pushback for saying that, that I'm a big fucking racist and that, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what, what happened with George Floyd was a fucking nightmare. What a terrible thing. Um, and you know, I, I, I can't imagine it being clear that, you know, that cop fucking killed that guy. Um, and, but it's like, if, even though I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that was awful. And we need, obviously things need to change and they need to change fast. Um, if, if I'm not with the writing and the violence, if, if I, if I think that that's wrong, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm totally missing the point, I guess. There was a, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you go ahead and talk because we talk enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not with the violence either. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I try to do the devil's advocate thing. You know, for me, it's like um, the situation or these situations have been going on, you know, for so long. And um, it's like every time one of these things pop up, pops up, you know, not only we first have to like convince people that it was wrong. Then we have to convince you that it's, you know, systematic of something bigger that this isn't a one-off that this isn't you know uh, that this didn't happen in isolation this happened as a as a chain of events that's been happening for you know decades um uh, and so you you do reach a point where you're like maybe you know and, and right now in this country it just feels like we don't speak the same language sometimes and I, I think there are a group of people that have figured out or have decided that uh there is a language that we all speak and uh unfortunately it's it's violence like maybe you don't hear me you know, because you haven't heard me for years when I've been saying it this way. Uh, maybe if I say it another way, maybe if I, I burn some stuff down, uh, you'll hear me then. And it's it's unfortunate that we reached that point, but I think that's what it is for some people. That well, they, I mean, they're I, tired of talking. 
Yeah, I would give that point to you. Like, I would just say, yeah, that's that's true. But then I then I turn on the TV, right? And I, and uh, most of the people that I see committing violence are white people. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like these white people, these predominantly white cities, burning all this shit down. And I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened that that affected Portland, Oregon? <laughs> you know, what just happened that affected these people? It's like it's like when you have a cause that that is. Uh, that it has like the right meaning, right? It has it has it has all the right shit behind it? A, a then, just cause. Then you get those <laughs> sons of bitches who piggyback off the the just cause, and yeah. they 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 ruin. I mean, I think they ruin part of the message because you get these assholes, dude. Who I don't know if it's like I, I don't know what their thing is. Like I don't know if they, if they're not getting attention or what it is. But it's like no, no, we have to fuck stuff up here in Portland now. Wait a minute. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. I thought this was about black people. No, no, no. <laughs> it's about the system. We need to destroy this courthouse. We need to do this or that. And then it's all over the news. And it's like, well, the original message is a good message. What is this? You know, and, and, and that's what I, I just, I really dislike all the people that try to piggyback off of it. And then they try to, because then we're equating like, well, their violence is justified. It's like, well, wait a minute. Those guys are just like these Antifa jerk offs over in Portland, you know, or, or in Seattle or wherever. That have been sitting in their basements watching anime, just waiting for something to happen where <laughs> yeah. they get to put their bandanas on Did you see? and fucking destroy mailboxes and shit. What's funny about that? <laughs> what's funny about that is there was a, there was a, one of these, one of these Antifa guys, right? It was either in Seattle or Portland. They're basically the same place now, I think. Um, but but in one of these events right like one of these young white guys they they committed this crime and the person who outed him online was his grandmother because his grandmother had like on his sweater <laughs> so she called out her grandson who was like an antifa member and it's like you're getting called out by your grandma dude <laughs> yeah. like that that snickers commercial where the guy's in the middle of a robbery but he's got like the fishnet mask going or something and they just like Bobby, Bobby, is that you? <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just this, like, you know, we live in this microwave popcorn, you know, era where you have to react to things so quickly. You don't get them, you know, if you don't, if you're not outraged the moment the headline comes out, then, then you're for it and you're somehow a part of the problem. Yeah. Because you didn't, you're trying to wait, you're suspending judgment until you get some more information. Like, And there's just so much misinformation. I, I hate the internet because, you know, there's there's so much information, but the majority of it is, is just complete bullshit, and it's uh you you end up spending so much time trying to disprove like nonsense that you never do get to the real issues, you know. And it's it's pain in the ass. It's also hard to get behind behind something where it's like, what's what's the end game, you know? Like, what what does it look like when we're when we're you know where we want to be um so it i think it's hard to push something forward where there's no there's no clear vision you know uh and you mean like what what goal are we working like what is what is the violence what is the right what is the protesting where does it lead is that what you're asking yeah it's like, like what's like it's like what what, would be, what needs to happen yeah. for for you know not for this to end, but what needs to happen for for you to feel at least somewhat satisfied, like because some of the some of the goals I, I see associated with like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, they don't seem relevant to me to like the core issue. Um, you actually talked about it in your podcast, um, 
something about like dis dismantling the the patriarchal society uh it was something like that i don't know if you remember what i'm yeah talking yeah about. yeah yeah because there i mean there, there are some interesting things in their mission statement and um i mean well one i want to say first that like most people I, for me like most people that i know when they say black lives matter it is a statement you know, it is a it is a sentence. Um, they don't necessarily identify themselves as part of an organization. Uh, it's weird that the organization has that name, and so uh, you know you you seem like automatically associated with it whenever you, you say the words. But um, but yeah, I mean they they mentioned some stuff in their mission statement about like yeah dismantling you know patriarchal yeah the white the the white European patriarchal uh, family unit right. The, yeah, the nuclear, the, the nuclear and, family unit, the nuclear family unit. But it, it goes on to say, as a requirement. Um, so, to to me, I took it as they want to remove that as a requirement for value. So, like, you can't look at somebody who doesn't come from the family system that we associate as wholesome and American, um, and if you don't come from that, then somehow that gives people the the right or the ability to devalue you as a person. When I look at what happened to George Floyd. I tell people all the time, like you look at that cop, he's staring into that camera for like eight minutes, eight minutes and 45 seconds. That's not something you do when you feel like you're doing something wrong. Like if you feel like you're doing something wrong and somebody's got a camera in your face, you know, you're either you want the camera to, out of your fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're going to stop or you're going to try to get the camera out of your face. But if you're like comfortable with the camera in your face, then you don't really, that's a sign that you don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. And I think that's that's what I get from that statement is that um, you know people like George Floyd or people in other situations because they don't come from what America views as I don't want to say America because I don't think it's the majority of people but um, what some people view as the appropriate background or you had a criminal history like all of these things are things that we're allowed to use to devalue a person and then once you devalue that person then you know sitting on their neck for eight minutes isn't that big of a deal. You don't have to feel like you're doing anything wrong. And uh, that's what I get from some of their statement. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Um, those ladies have some ties to different communities and they, and they have some, uh, some ideology with the, the Marxist views. Yeah. I think they're ascribed to Marxist. Yeah. That some people can view as, you know, as negative, but um, yeah, I, I read that mission statement. I think people like pull things out of it. They pull half a sentence because, yeah, that, that whole sentence about dismantling the nuclear family. I, know, I have it pulled up if you want me to read it. Yeah, if you don't, if you read the okay. whole sentence, it's as a requirement to yeah, blah, 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 blah. The paragraph, because I mean, because all these, all these paragraphs start off with we. So this one is, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Now I'll be honest. I don't completely know what the hell they mean. <laughs> that I, seems I pretty ambiguous. To me. <laughs> I, I do think because some of them are pretty weird. Because um, yeah. it's it's like a is that everyone in the neighborhood singing kumbaya together every night? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing because so it doesn't necessarily mean they're trying to dis, to destroy the traditional family unit. Right. I, I, it, it could it could just mean that they're. Uh, wanting to also not, uh, I don't know, not 
not be pissed off at people that don't have traditional family style, family lifestyles or something like that. It seems like they're trying to get at that. You shouldn't like shame single mothers or and single that, fathers or whatever. And it I is. get that. I get if that. <laughs> some of their stuff is kind of weird. Like it's done like some of the stuff on the actual website. It's like, who wrote this? <laughs> it's like, I don't know if all these points make sense together, you know? And, and, and really I'm going to be honest. Cause did you watch the, uh, you watched the Don Lemon, Taren, uh, Terry Crews interview. I did not watch that. Some things, if I know they're going to upset me, I avoid them. So well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not that upsetting because I, I think yeah, Terry Cruz. I, <laughs> I thought Terry Cruz is pretty good in it. But Don Lemon says something. He because uh, Terry Cruz is talking about uh, basically all Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, and he's like, "Well, Black Lives Matter isn't talking about all Black lives. It's just talking about Black lives taken from you know from uh, from police brutality and stuff like that." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, I'm not sure about this." So. I guess if you haven't heard it, then I can't really um, can't really go back and forth about it. But I still thought the black like the the group because I, I you typically ask people you know when they say something about Black Lives Matter, I go, okay, do you mean the group or do you mean like the the cause, the idea, yeah. you know? Because it seems like they're two different things. Um, but I still thought the the group Black Lives Matter was the idea that Black Lives Matter, like all black, like not yeah. just like some, but like all Black Lives. And if you watch it, uh, Don Lemon says explicitly that. That that's not the case. And I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if he could even really speak on it. Um, it's only about a 10 minute interview. If you ever, if you ever want to get pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause it seems like to me that that phrase has been like morphed to mean something totally different, you know? Cause like, it seems like, you know, saying black lives matter is a, is a self-evident truth, you know, yeah. like obviously they do. Uh, but then uh, it seems like people are taking that as a frontal assault on their whiteness or Chineseness or whatever, the fuck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's the whites or the Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's it's always weird to me how like people either want to put only in front of it or more at the end of it, and uh, like, and that's not that's nowhere in the statement. Um, yeah, I have I have friends that I have arguments with and. Like I can get them to agree with the fact that Black Lives Matter, but saying the words um, seems to be where they draw the line. Like there's something. Like is there some power? Is there a spell that happens or something? Is is it one of those things? If you say it in the mirror three times, like I don't know, Martin Luther King comes out and, and stabs you in the back or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, I I think I mean, I think it's the I think it's how it's mixed up with the the idea versus the group, you know. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Because I don't, I'm not big on Marxism. I'm actually, I'm actually quite against Marxism, right? So when a Marxist group, when they come up with this phrase, when they come up with a phrase that, that uh, when you get back into like complicity, it's like, well, am I complicit in this, in this group of, you know, people who consider themselves and call themselves Marxist in interviews? What do they mean? Because they say like uh, one of the one of the leaders, I can't think of her name right now, but she was saying her and one of the other main females that had had created it, they were trained Marxists. And, and in my head, cause I'm, 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 you know, when I was younger, okay, I dabbled, I dabbled in a little bit of communism. I dabbled in a little bit of stuff, right? Cause I was, I was, I was more on that utopian idea, right? I was thinking about it like, well, this would, this would be best. This would potentially, if it was done right, it would help the most people. But every time it's tried, a whole lot of people die. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and then now I, now I've moved more towards the idea that even when people say they're Marxists, it's like, now and now, surely some of these people who were who were saying this stuff right, maybe they really are racist. Maybe they are, 
you know, so then maybe they don't think through that stuff like that. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't care, you know, or whatever. Um, and sometimes, you know, Marxism is built up as like a, as like a boogeyman, you know, it's like something to scare people, scare your kids at night, you know, to make sure they stay capitalistic. <laughs> so it's kind of, I don't know, man, like it's, it is kind of a mess. Yeah. But the, I mean, to get to your point, Zach, about the, the end game, like um, it, it, that's the part that really bothers me as well is, is, uh, is how diluted things get. It's like, it's like right now the issue is police, police brutality. And it, I feel like it's not something that we don't know exists, but for whatever reason, every time situations like these pop up, we have to like reprove that it exists. We have to go down the list of names and, and, uh, and that's always irritating. And then now you have like all of these gestures being made that, uh, that nobody asked for <laughs> that are like angering people and then turning them against the whole concept of like black lives matter or, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, I see, I see the stuff that the NBA is doing. They got black lives matter on the court. People are kneeling before the games and that's, that's all well and good. I'm not against it, but like, that's nobody asked for that. You know, the NFL plans on singing the, the national, the black national anthem uh, before games. I'm like, again, appreciate you, you know, Thanks so much, but nobody asked for that. You have to, <laughs> you know, it's like, stop killing us. Oh, you know, well, instead of that, how about, you know, we change out the voice actor for Cleveland um, <laughs> played by a white guy and we'll get a black guy to do that. It's like, all right, that's nice. You know, I think that guy could have kept his job, but uh, <laughs> stop killing like that. Nobody asked for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like people are like stop killing black people, and it's like, well, the best we can do is a symbolic gesture that no one really cares about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the whole movement faces a backlash because it's like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't want to see people kneeling. Uh, you know, uh, nobody really asked for that. You know, don't don't put don't don't attribute that to us. We really, if if we could get reform on, like you know. How police can be prosecuted? I forget the name of the uh, qualified the immunity. Qualified immunity. Yeah, if we could get reform on, on qualified immunity or something like that, then it wouldn't be necessary. Like you know, like, I do think police. They, I think they need to rework, revamp all their training because I mean they're just, they're just killing. I mean they're killing too many people per year. Yeah. I mean about a thousand people per year already, and I mean it's just. If they need to, I mean, they're, they're so damn physical. And if, hell, if you've even watched cops, you, you'll just run across episodes where people like resisting arrest is like not moving immediately and right. they'll smash your damn face into the ground and they can do whatever they want, you know, and that stuff. Cause I'm, <laughs> you know, some of the, a lot of the policing pisses me off. Um, and I just think it's, I think a lot of it's just bullshit. It just seems like, the the purpose of policing has been totally lost, you know, to protect and serve. Your job isn't to jam people up and fucking yeah. harass people. You know, like, you're supposed to be protecting us when in reality, police are trained as though the public is our enemy. They're, they're the threat. And it's like, how are you supposed to effectively, you know, interact with people when that's your mentality going into it? And I think that's a failure of, you know, police training and how the, you know, the whole justice system is set up. Um, and obviously things need to change. And I've heard different solutions that I think are good. Bernie Sanders wanted to set up a independent, like, federal department that would investigate police departments um, separately. That's not a bad idea. 
my idea was that actually, and I'm not a big, you know, proponent of privatization of things. I would be fine with having that stuff outsourced to private investigators, to private citizens that have no obligation to the police department, only to finding out what's true. Um, I think those are, you know, decent solutions, but there's also, there's also the problem that intrinsically what I see is the people who become police officers in general, because I've met, I've met, you know, personally, you know, one of my friends, her, her wife is a police officer, just a really lovely person. Um, and you know, I don't think all police are like this, but I see a lot of people with some kind of, uh, little man syndrome, uh, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a bunch of people that think they need to prove they're fucking tough. Uh, and that seems like the totally wrong people you want doing that job. Well, and be, I, think it's, I think it'd probably be a good idea also not to have any of our police officers on steroids. Because <laughs> there's some of them, dude, that are on steroids. I know because I, I, I work with some police officers and, and uh I know some of them with little man syndrome and I also know some of them that are, that are certainly on steroids and they're amped up a little too much already. And, uh, it just makes for a bad recipe. I mean, it's not, it's not smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a human issue. I think we've all like worked with people. We've all been in jobs and, and work with people that, you know, maybe were at our position and then got promoted and you see them change. Um, uh, I have I have learned over the last year or so that typically people who want power are the folks that shouldn't have it, you know. Yeah. And so people who go out and seek these positions uh, sometimes are the the worst possible candidates uh, candidates for them. Um, yeah, it's just it's a crazy situation. And and to your point, Zach, with the uh, with the privatization, uh, I, you know, I don't know if that's the solution, but I know that you know a lot of these situations with you know the people that would be investigating them, the, the prosecutors, the judges. Um, these are people who depend on these same police departments, you know, to investigate, you know, these are people that they work with, you know, these are people that they've worked with for years uh, to get to where they are in a lot of cases. So they're, you know, they, they have, they have a dog in the fight in terms of, you know, being able to, to find fault in this system. They're a part of that system. They've benefited from that system. They, you know, so it's, it's, just, it's just one big clusterfuck, and I, I don't know how to fix it. Um, I just would rather not turn on Twitter and have to watch a video of somebody getting killed. I, why people retweet, like, snuff films, it kills me, man. Like, I don't want to keep watching a video of somebody getting shot. Like, that's, that's fucked up. What was that? Was that Killer Mike? Uh, did you watch that Killer Mike uh, speech? I watched I watched a lot of it. The, I think I titled my episode, uh, I titled one of my episodes, I Don't Want to Be Here. That was one of his first lines. Oh, okay. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I, I thought that was a really touching speech. And he says in there, he's like, we just watch this shit like murder porn, yeah. you know? And he, you know, and he's just talking about the retweeting and everybody just watching people die, yeah. you know? And I, I thought it was a really good point by him. Um, and, it, and it was a great speech. I mean, it was a great speech regardless, but. I think we lose that. Like people are gone. Like they, whatever they could have been is erased. You know, they, they have family members that will never see them again, never talk to them again, never speak to them again, you know, never, never touch or hug them again. Like, and we just watch the video of that life being erased, like, over and over again. 
you know, it's, it's, it's pretty sick, but it's, it's where we are right now. It's crazy. Well, and then you get these sons of bitches who, who then start posting every bad thing this person did during their life, right? That had nothing to do with their death. <laughs> so, so like, okay, okay, so maybe they made these mistakes, you know, and maybe they already, uh, maybe they already served their time to, to, to deal with them or whatever. But then it says people like, no, 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 this guy was a piece of, a piece of shit. And it's like, well, okay, so he shouldn't have lived. Like he right. shouldn't be alive today. Like there's nothing that he did. You know, you can't tell me, like, especially when you're looking at the big scenario about being in the middle of a, of a fucking pandemic and a shutdown where, you know, there was a lot of people that were hurting for money. And this guy, you know, what does he have? A, a counter $20 bill, a counterfeit $20 bill or something like that. It's like, uh, you know, and, and whatever, because they're like, well, he had some drugs and this is a fine. That doesn't mean he deserved to die. If I get arrested, like, I'm going to have some fucking drugs in my system, no <laughs> doubt. Like, and then there's going to be these, yeah. And then there's going to be these, there's going to be these motherfuckers on the internet that go, oh, well, you know, Zach did deserve to die because of, <laughs> because he did this. Hey, did you know Zach did this this shit during his life? Uh, yeah. Who, who the fuck cares? That does not. He should still be alive today. I mean, like, I don't I don't understand the relevance of it. I don't get it. Yeah. The idea that you should judge people on their worst mistakes is completely ridiculous. I mean, it's it's all it's all cancel culture. That's that's where we are. But yeah, I, I take a page out of uh, Eminem from Eight Mile. You know, as a part of my podcast, I tell you all the ugly, nasty shit I've ever done. So that if uh, something does happen to me and they start throwing it up there, they can be like, "Oh, we knew that shit." Like, tell me something <laughs> I don't already know about them. You know. Oh yeah, I I don't concern myself with making myself look good. I it's almost not possible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, yeah, cancel culture irks me too. You guys asked about stuff that bothers me. I, I I'm I'm pretty sick of that. Um, we gotta find. We gotta at least offer people a way back from their mistakes. You know. I agree. Yeah, I agree. We need places to have honest conversations, man. Because if we can't have honest conversations, then we're already fucked. Because <laughs> I mean, if we can't be honest with each other, and I don't know, man, and there's so many people that they, they don't want to have difficult conversations, and I'm I'm totally fine. I'm I'm actually pretty good with difficult conversations, or at least I feel like I am. I, I we need them to happen, or I mean, there's always going to be resentment. There's always going to be that resentment underneath. It's just right underneath the surface, and then something happens, and fucking boom, you know, everything comes out. It seems like me. It seems to me that you know the more the more people are yelling in each other's face, regardless of who you are or what you're pushing, the more we yell in each other's face, the worse things are going to get. Yeah. Um, and that's what I see now is I see these you know you know some of these protests are totally fine, and it you know it's your first amendment right to protest, and uh, I, I'm totally behind that, but. Some of these, you know, the the riots and the and the looting and all that stuff. It seems like God, it it's just pushing us back from where we want to go, yeah. um, and and it seems like people don't get that. Um, well, when it, when I would talk about uh, because I'm actually I'm a pretty I'm a pretty big fan of Martin Luther King Jr. And there's, there's people, <laughs> well, some people are, I post about Martin Luther King Jr. a lot and I use a lot of like his, his words and his actual interviews and his full context of stuff because you, almost all the video, a lot of the videos exist. Like just the other day, I mean, you can watch his, his last sermon that he gave before he died. It's on, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. In, you can, you can listen to all of his words and people try to, they'll try to manipulate stuff or lie about certain things or whatever. Right. So I, you know, I, I study Martin Luther King Jr. 
And um, some people, you know, they don't even, they'll take some of his quotes out of, uh, out of context and make it look like he's like justifying rioting. Like he does explain why riots happen because people keep using that whole, um, what is it, rioting as the voice of the unheard? Is that what it is? Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something like that. And people keep trying to use it and it's like, no, no, man, okay. Because <laughs> I totally, I completely agree with the way Martin Luther King Jr., did what he did. You know, like I completely agree with, with everything that he, in terms of, uh, in terms of the peaceful protests and actually getting and getting movement on stuff because of the way he did it, because then it's easy when you get that kind of idea to, to go to like play out, right. It's real easy to see who the good guys are and who's being evil. And, and that's what he's like. Cause when you, when you watch, let's say you watch some of the old footage of, I don't know, you know, uh, black people being attacked on, what was that? Was that, what was that a bridge in Birmingham? Um, yeah, the whole the the Selma, the, yeah, the march. Yeah, yeah. When you when you see that kind of stuff, you're like, I mean, just the average person is, what the fuck is going on? And then you have all this upheaval because it's easy to tell who's good and who's bad, you know, who's right and who's wrong. And that's what I like about it. So then, because when you play into it alone, people start when people start getting a little crazy with the rioting and looting, then the uh, the new media narrative gets spun up. That it's just these people that are wanting to commit crimes or wanting to do this or wanting to do that. That's not really about, it's not really about equality or it's not really about, you know, all these underlying issues. And, and it's just, it, it just fucks up the message. That's really my whole point about that. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's so disheartening, man, because it's so easy to, you know, like you say, you know, contaminate the message. Like just, it just takes one person, you know, wearing the same shirt that you're wearing to do something stupid. And now they represent the whole group. And uh, and none of it makes sense anymore because this one idiot did something. Uh, it's, it's just, but the fact that it's been going on for so long, like I think some of the people that are against the rioting and looting just you know, have to look back to some of that stuff. Like, you know, Martin Luther King is that's that's a long time ago, and and we're still dealing with a lot of the same stuff. And if you have a group of people who've been dealing with the same thing uh, for this long. Um, yeah, you, you've run out of conversations to have, but uh, but I think you know podcasts like this and you know some of the stuff I do on my on my show um, is important because in a lot of ways we've lost the ability to to disagree without disrespect. Like we don't know how to if we don't know how to have a conversation with someone with an opposing view without calling them stupid or crazy. And, I think uh, I think people assume that if someone disagrees with you, they have ill intentions. Yeah, you know. I think, and that's such a fucked up way to look at things. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesse and I don't agree about many things, but I kn- uh, I know who Jesse is, and he's not a shitty guy. So, uh, um, but coming yeah. from Zach, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> that is, it's it's such a hard time because I mean I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm I'm 38. And uh, I'm 38 and it feels, I don't know about you, but for me, it feels, it feels like I'm old as fuck. Like it just like the world has changed so drastically around me and I don't understand a lot of it. Um, and, you know, and so I end up in situations where I'm afraid to speak because, you know, words I used to use or things I used to say are not cool anymore. And I don't know what's not cool and I'm trying to be cool, but nobody wants to explain to you how to be cool. So I'm just in this weird space where I like, do I just take a chance and fuck up or do I not say anything? Or I think that's why I like created my own show so I can say what the fuck I want to say. And uh, if you don't like it, you just don't listen. 
Yeah. But at least yeah. I feel like I can talk. Damn, so you must have been pretty young then, dude, working working uh, <laughs> at, at the wine or working would you say for the White House or just in the government in general? For the for the executive office of the president of the United States. So I used to have to explain to people that I worked for the office. I did not work for the man. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So were you like 25 or something? Yeah. Mid twenties. Mid twenties. I got Christmas cards from the Bush family in my closet (laughs) right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a, what, uh, maybe I shouldn't ask you what you think about Bush. (laughs) Uh, You know, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. I wasn't into politics. I didn't, I just worked there. And so, you know, I, I, I left like right before uh, Obama got elected. Like I didn't want to be there for the transition. And uh, so I left. I hear it's just like drastically different. I mean, I'll just say from a working for the office standpoint, like, you know, when Bush was there, Bush was very rarely at the white house. And if he, cause if he was there, like everything shut down, like you couldn't move around if if he was walking through a hall, Secret Service was walking, you know, several feet in front of him, and they'd like push you out the way or throw you in a closet or something uh, to clear the way. Uh, from what I hear, you know, during the Obama administration, it was much different. He kind of walked around on his own and poked his head in the offices and shook hands and shit like that. You know, I don't know. I wasn't there, but uh, but yeah, I mean, as as people, I didn't feel like they were bad people. I didn't know their politics. I know some people don't agree with them, but it was my first taste of Texas. I'll tell you that, though. He brought all of Texas to D.C. with him. And uh, some good-looking women. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the general population is so mis- miscategorized. I mean, I'd say, you know, the number of truly, like, hateful people I've met in my life, that's a really small number, you know. Um, now everyone has their predispositions and sort of the unconscious bias that that happens but i the number of just truly hateful people i've met i don't know maybe 5 less than 5 <laughs> I, I don't know maybe i'm just not associating with the right fuckers but <laughs> you know uh but if you look at the internet everyone is just awful yeah that that's the that's that's what hurts man like like, uh, my mother was born in the 50s, or she was born in 49. She grew up, you know, she she saw Martin Luther King get assassinated. She saw JFK get assassinated. And to be honest, I think she was more hurt by the JFK assassination than she was by Martin Luther King. But, um, but growing up, you know, because she had to deal with so much, like, racism in her face, I used to call my mom the most racist person I've ever known. Because like, you know, <laughs> she's, and she'll tell you she's not racist, she's prejudiced. I think they're pretty much the same thing. One has power and one doesn't. That's the only difference. But, um, but yeah, she used to tell me all these stories and she'd be very like, uh, wary about people I was around or, and, and I was always like, mom, you know, that, that was the past. Those people you dealt with, you know, all the best opportunities I've ever gotten in life I've gotten from white people or something like that, you know? And then now I'm reaching an age where with all of this happening, like I'm seeing all of these, Monsters she used to say were in the closet that I was said weren't there. Like some of these people are real. It's 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 uh kind of scary. Uh, but yeah, I, I spent the majority of my life like not feeling that way because you didn't run into these folks, and now thanks to the internet, I run into them every day. Every yeah, day. and that's why. I, I mean, uh, I know we're obviously we're in two different places. I mean, hell, I'm I'm in Kansas now. I grew up in California, but 
you know, I, I think it's difficult when you, when you see a lot of the stuff on the internet to, to apply it to like real life. Cause I do think, you know, maybe some people are just, you know, maybe in real life, maybe they do have all these in their head, you know, they're thinking all kinds of things. Right. But it's just, it just goes unsaid or maybe people are just trying to be intentionally cruel online because I don't know, it gets them, it gets them more attention, you know, or they're poorly socialized or they're mentally ill, you know, or they just, or they're just ignorant, you know, um, and, and that's the thing. I never can tell. Um, I never, I never can tell. I, I, I still try to, even people, I think if, you know, even, even if they're being racist, I, tr- I still try to engage with them because most people, their, their initial reaction is like, okay, I'm going to block you. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. Okay. You could do that. You can block on and some of these people. Some of them are just so vicious that you can't, you know, you can't have actual conversation and maybe they're not even real or maybe they're do. Maybe they're so fucked up mentally, but a lot of other people, man, I mean, maybe there's room for conversation, you know, and, and I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly think for some people, they just, they like stirring shit up. I have people that I have conversations with that say, you know, extremely racist things. Um, and some of these people are people I consider friends. And sometimes I can't tell if, if they're doing it because they think that's going to, you know, it's going to get something out of me. Like they, they want to anger me so they can have that. They have fun having that conversation Yeah. or if they actually believe these things. Yep. And, and that's the difficulty right there. Cause you don't know, like they, there's some ulterior motive and you just don't know which one it is. It's like, okay, is this some racist piece of shit or is this someone <laughs> that's trying to, that's trying to do this to try to anger me, to, to off balance me in this conversation. And, yes. and you don't really know. Um, I started a uh, a Discord server and like two minutes into me like putting a link out for people to join my Discord, the first comment was like the N-word in all caps. And then the guy invited me to, to a voice chat. This was like four o'clock in the morning. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Like mm-hmm. voice chat with this dude at four AM. So obviously you accepted it. I mean that's yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, good <laughs> At this point, I'm intrigued. I'm like, man, that, first of all, that was fast. You had to be waiting on the link. <laughs> Maybe you're a fan. Let me, uh, let me let me talk to my fan base to see who I'm attracting to you. And uh, and after about like 15 minutes of him like saying crazy stuff and me just asking him if he was okay, if he needed if he needed to talk about his mental health or something, uh, he gave. I think he got frustrated because he wasn't getting the reaction he wanted. And I think that's a lot of people out there. Yeah, and I, I don't understand. I mean, other than this mental illness, and it's just a place where, you know, the mentally ill can run rampant, you know, and they can they can say whatever. I mean, you can get all the, you know, the worst people, you know, like you, you used to, you know, they didn't have access to internet, and they would, you just run into these people in the town square, these fucking crazy people, and now they're everywhere. <laughs> um, so I, I just don't know, like, when you – because when you base things off online, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that you probably don't have the same experiences – in real, you know, just walking around every day, right? I'm, I'm assuming most people don't run up to you and start calling you names and shit, and you know, or just treat you poorly. Unless Austin's a worse area than I think it is. I don't. I'm not really <laughs> familiar with Austin, but I'm assuming if it was that bad, you wouldn't even live there. Um, and you certainly wouldn't say that you love the place. Yeah, I love Austin. This is home. Yeah, I, well, but when I moved here, the first thing somebody told me it was like, "Stay in Austin. Like Austin is great." But don't leave Austin. Like from what I hear, there are parts of Texas I'm not supposed to go to. Uh, I haven't experienced those yet, but Austin is awesome. There are lots of parts of Texas I wouldn't fucking go to. <laughs> 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 but uh, 
There are a bunch of shitheads down there, Jesse. Don't give me that. Well, I don't know. If I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if they're shitheads or not. I mean, I, I like the idea, the like the independent idea. You know, like they're, you know, maybe they think they're better than all the other states. I, you know, I don't really mind that, but but they are Texas, right? It's like okay, this is uniquely Texas, and I like that. You know, um, I don't know who's, you know, I don't know what percentage of people live down there. They're this way or that way, but I'm not that. You know, I'm not as familiar with Texas. I could be. I only know the places in California I lived and, you know, and now I live in this, you know, this, these areas that are basically uh, damn near all white. Um, so it's kind of, you know, you don't, you don't always run into the same issues, you know, and, and it's certainly like Kansas to California. I mean, a whole fucking different world. And the people that, cause uh, there's people that will <laughs> try to tell me, cause I, I grew up in an area when I was actually a minority um, because of a high influx of Hispanics and Asians and uh, if, if you talk with somebody who's, let's say they've only lived around one certain type of people and there was, you know, like 90% of them, they don't know that much about race issues. I'm just going to be honest. They just don't. I mean, they, they don't deal with it or they don't care or they whatever, you know, they, they think that all the places are the same or they just haven't been around much because they're ignorant. Yeah. And, um, and when you're in those situations, it's like, okay, you know, this is, this is a little bit different, you know, um, and you got to be more careful and, and, and race certainly at least at younger ages, maybe want, maybe people kind of grow out of it eventually, but when you're younger, it certainly plays a role in how you grow up and how things affect you. And I, I learned some stuff down here about like, at one point I wanted to write a book on like uh, the, the genesis of racism or like how a person becomes racist. Um, and I, I ran, I had some experiences down here. Like you said, like, like DC is very small, but for as small as it is, um, you can really like, grow up in an area where it's just just you, you know, and, and you don't have to interact with other groups unless you want to. And then I moved down here, I miss a little bit of everybody. And I work in IT and there are a lot of um, uh, Indian or people from India. I don't think if I say Indians, that'll be confusing. But uh, but yeah, I, I would have all these experiences with them. And there's this, there's this one thing in particular, uh, I think they call it like the Indian head shake or something like that. And they shake their head from left to right. And it's supposed to be uh, that they're in agreement with you. And I'd be having these conversations with these guys and they'd be shaking their head and it looks to me like, no. And uh, I know that I'm right. And the more I kept <laughs> talking, like, I guess the more vigorously they shake their heads, the more they're agreeing with you. But it looked like to me, the more they're not agreeing with me and they're not saying anything. They, they're not even offering an opposition. They're just doing this head shake. It was, fucking <laughs> it was infuriating. And, and I used, and I, and I, and I caught myself like, outside of work, going to restaurants and I see, you know, a, a large Indian family come in and, and start to feel a certain kind of way. And I'm like, man, this is how it starts. Like, this is how racism, you know, starts. Like you just have enough bad experiences and then you start associating it with an entire group and blah, blah, blah. And then later on, I had a conversation with somebody and I found out that that whole time they were agreeing with me and I felt like I had But um, <laughs> <laughs> Then you but found yeah, out the Indian people love you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We were all best friends, and I was the only one that didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think that would be something important that they'd want to explain to you at some point, right? Like that, it seems like uh, you'd want to. <laughs> it seems like you'd want to know that. I guess, yeah. I guess for them, they don't know that it's being interpreted differently. Like, you know, they have no idea that that looks like no to somebody else. But, yeah, it's great, <laughs> and that's where, that's where just like a five minute conversation would have killed racism. Like, you know, like just. A short conversation would have destroyed racism and it didn't have it. 
You know, uh, my my buddies and I, we, I mean, it's just a, it's it's not much of anything, but we do the, we do this like little small publishing thing on the side. So if you ever need like a, you know, somebody to look over something, you know, an editor or whatever, you know, or even how to do it yourself, um, I've done quite a bit of that actually, um, in terms of publishing. I am working on a book. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and you can always, I mean, really, you could, you could, you know, if you know all the ins and outs, you can do, you can self-publish it as long as you have the right people that can. But you say you do IT, so maybe maybe you can do a little graphic design as well. You know, as long as you can do a lot of the cover stuff and all those things, um, it's not it's not too bad. It's not too bad to be able to do that. So I think that's I think that's pretty cool anyway. Um, do you have an idea? Because you're talking about the like where where racism comes from. I have my own ideas on that. I want to hear where do you think that it where do you think it originates? You know, um, just based off you know very recent experience. Uh, it feels like human beings in general have a need to feel nobody wants to be the worst of anything. Like nobody wants to be the bottom rung of anything. And so um, if you can find a way to place something below you or place yourself above something else, I think people tend to do it. And I see it a lot, like this woke culture, like this whole idea of being woke to me, that's just people that feel want to feel like they're smarter or more aware of something than somebody else. So they, they, I'm woke and look at what I know, look at me, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, to me, that, that could be a lot of the genesis of racism, just needing to find a group to feel superior to, and then just associating a bunch of bullshit with that group so that you could, you know? I, I see a lot of things where I see a lot of times where I feel like, people who are in that side of things that that woke side are ignoring a lot of things and have lots of problems with, with facts that counteract what they believe. Yeah. Um, one thing I learned recently is that African immigrants, actually their median income is higher than the average median income of white people. But when you look at African American people, they're, median income is lower what's going on there i i you know <laughs> well what, what somebody's going to say that what they're going to argue is there's a selection bias so that the people who are getting the people who are coming from a specific african countries i think nigeria is one of them um that the people we're getting here you know are people that are already more well they're they're better educated you know we're bringing him for specific issues and that's why they're getting brought over in the first place that's what some people would argue um I don't know, but I guess we'll let him answer if he has a, if he has an idea on that, or, or, if, or if he's looked at that at all. I mean, I don't know if you have. Uh, can't say that I have. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I can I can speak for African Americans, or I, I I really don't know. My only my only thought on it would be, I guess if you if you come here and view this country as a land of opportunity, uh, maybe you get here and look at all the things that you can do. Um, if you've grown up here with, you know, with some of the stuff that hangs in the air, um, a lot of times all you see is what you can't do, or or you're not even aware of the things that you can do. Like you walk around just like I can't go here, I can't say this, I need to be cautious in this environment. These people don't like me, you know, and um, and that can just be a hindrance, you know. If you if you don't have those things hanging over you, or you're not aware of that like history, or haven't had to deal with it. Maybe you, maybe you see 
more opportunities. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the closest I could get something that makes sense. Because that, I think that has interesting implications for the, the, the societal effects of, of racism, you know, because it's showing that certain populations of, you know, of black people are succeeding, you know, exceedingly well compared to the majority of the population. And then you have native born people who are, who are not succeeding as well as the, the general population. So it's like, I look at it like, what does that say about how your skin color affects how, how much you can achieve? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so much of it is just historical. And, you know, you look at people that, that grew up in families where nobody's been to college or, you know, you got, you know, first time college graduates. Are you guys hearing that? I'm sorry if my computer's making sounds. Oh no, I can hear you. Yeah. You're good. Okay. (laughs) Um, but yeah, man, like I, I think for a lot of people, you just you just haven't seen certain things, and there are things even now, you know, like starting a bit, starting this podcast, um, starting a multimedia company, starting an LLC. These aren't necessarily things that are, are are taught, or there's nobody around me that I knew that were doing them, and so you you don't look at them as possibilities until you, you know, something breaks you out of that and you start saying, oh, this is not as hard as I thought it was, or it's not as impossible as I thought it was. Um, I think if you don't have that, like, and that's a lot of what people are talking about when they talk about like equality. It's not that the opportunities aren't there for everybody. It's just a lot of people who have grown up with a system around them that hides that stuff from you and, uh, and doesn't make it as readily available. Like it's there, but if nobody tells you that it's there, it's just like, it's not being, it's just like it, it isn't there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, schools, the educational system, all that kind of stuff plays a part. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, a lot of the problems you see in, 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 in disadvantaged communities that are either predominantly black or predominantly Hispanic, you see those same problems in, you know, small town, rural, you know, white America in in Tennessee yeah. and in West Virginia and wherever. And it's like, to me, it's the biggest connection that I can see is that your economic status, where you're born into the rung you're born into is a bigger predictor of, of, of success than anything else. Because I don't think that's actually true, but I'll let you finish your thought. <laughs> Why do you think that's not true? I'll, I'll let you finish your thought. I mean, <laughs> I, li- I like that. Uh, what you're I'm saying sorry, is that bullshit, was... but continue. <laughs> Do you still hear us? I can hear you now. Okay, sorry. We had a little... Uh, I accidentally unplugged our mixer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you... I can't imagine why... Are we still recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, going, we're all good. <laughs> okay. I can't imagine why me saying that I think Zach's wrong and, the, and that everything goes dead. <laughs> I mean, to, to think... Uh, I'm just going to unplug this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> to think this isn't some fucking conspiracy. I mean, I just can't even imagine. You know, because that's the first time I've said anything... Anything argumentative in Zach's like, fucking, I'll pull the plug on this motherfucker. <laughs> what were you saying, Jesse? Uh, you still have headphones, luckily. <laughs> no, what were you? I wasn't trying to be a dick. I wasn't trying to be a dick, but you said where you begin is basically where you end, right? I'm saying, what I'm saying is when you're, when you're born into a community, 
whatever that community is, whether it's, you know, a poor urban community or a poor rural community, when you grow up around that, I think people are basically telling you that that's what you are, are going to be. Um, and, and I think the mentality that's placed upon people who are born into that environment, into those, you know, poverty stricken areas and those kinds of communities where, you know, because, you know, whatever, because, you know, lower income communities, you know, even in, even in rural areas are just plagued by drugs and crime and just shitty education systems. And, and I think, I think where you're, where you're born, unfortunately, is one of the biggest predictors of how well you will succeed. Okay. I, I disagree less with that part, you know, cause that, that's a better explanation than I think the first, the first time around. Um, yeah. Uh, walk it back, Jess. What's that? <laughs> Way to walk it back. Now I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's just, you know, the, and I, and I get what, I get what he's, I get what he's saying. You know, I mean, I, I understand, you know, um, I'm like, I, I don't understand everybody's situations, but I, I get that idea. Right. And, and, and I, people have to individually break the cycle. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm big on individuality and, and looking at in people as individuals than just groups, because I don't think it does it justice. I don't think it's fair uh, just to look at just like you can, you can look at it and you can look at the disparities and, and, and whatnot. And you can do that. That's no, no problem. I mean, but there are a lot of other issues that, that play into it, you know, and I, most people, the same thing. I mean, uh, maybe I shouldn't even bring it up, but most people, you know, if you, if you, and I, and this is not to any group, this is because my whole family is, is rife with some of these issues. And I, cause I grew up in a, <laughs> in a very poor family, lots of drug use, um, lots of children outside of wedlock, all kind like all these same issues. Right. And they all, a lot of them live in poverty. Some of them are dead now because of fucking drug deals gone bad and other stuff. Right. And this is all like all in California and Nevada and stuff like that. But, but for the most part, man, if most people, if you, you know, if you wait to have kids until you're married, you know, you settle down, um, you know, you, you, you marry the person you're with, you, you have children. Most of the time, I mean, in those situations, as long as you're not, you know, doing drugs or doing these other things, I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to live in poverty. But maybe, but maybe you mean something else. Maybe you don't just mean poverty. You just mean like, um, like as a cultural influence, you know, of your family and whatnot. And I'm sure, of course, that's going to affect you. I was the first one to go to college in my family, you know, do all, all my nephews and, and, and siblings and cousins. They, I mean, all they ever did was drugs. I mean, they love their drugs. You know, they love doing all that stuff. They love getting fucked up. And that's all my whole young life was like that, you know? Um, so I, so I get it, you know, and, and everybody went that direction. I was like the fucking, like in terms of like not going that direction, I'm, I was like the black sheep of my family who didn't mm-hmm. go that direction. So I get it. And they all kind of fell in line and they, they served their prison sentences like I said, some of them are dead, you know, which is... I shouldn't laugh at that. No, 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 it's, it's fine. It's, no, because you were laughing at the part before it. <laughs> Not that they were dead. You know, you're like, uh, it was just, but I mean, I, I get it. I do get it, you know, like, because I mean, if, you know, I, uh, like coming from a single parent household, I mean, it's, it, things are, if you come from, especially if you don't even have a father, you're more likely to drop out of school. I mean, you're more likely to live in poverty. You're more likely to drop out of school. You're more likely to suffer from mental illness. You're more likely to go to prison. Like those are just four major factors right there. That's like, I'm put behind a fucking, I'm, I'm put behind the eight ball on this stuff. I'm getting fucked, you know, on a lot of issues that, uh, that are going to affect the outcome of my life. You know, I, I mean, I, I get, I get that. And I, I feel like 
I, I know growing up, I looked at certain people, you know, certain of my peers, and, you know, I, you could say to them, like, it didn't matter where they landed, they were going to be successful. Like, they just individually had that kind of drive, um, and you knew that that was going to work out for them. But they were the few and far between, you know. Um, the majority of people around me, you know, needed a certain support system. Um, you know, I grew up without my dad kind of being around, and you either go one of two ways. You either that's the norm for you and you accept it, or you're like, I'll never do that to someone else. And so I, you know, I try to be a dad now uh, because I know what not having a dad is like. Yeah. But, you know, but if you grow up and nobody around you owns anything, you know, how do you learn about ownership? Yeah. And if you grow up and everybody around you owns something, not only is it seen as a possibility to you, but it's almost like, something that you're supposed to do. So like the next logical step for you. Whereas, you know, like I said, someone who doesn't grow up around it, doesn't get to see it. They have to find a way out of their immediate surroundings to, to even grasp that reality. Yeah. I think that pull up your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality is so unfair. Um, I, I, you know, there are lots of, uh, lots of people who have, grown up in disadvantaged places who have, you know, broken out of that and become successful. Um, but to expect that of the majority of people, I think is completely ridiculous because if you have people telling you your whole life that this is what you are, I, it's not a fair expectation for, you know, the majority of people to say, nah, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think the, the part where we're going to disagree again is I think it's the right message. Now, I think it's possible. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm no, saying I'm, I'm it's not, an unfair no, expectation. No, no, I'm not saying expect it. I'm saying it's the right message. You know, like at the end of the day, the person who is most responsible for what you complete in life is you, right? Like it's the right message. You can go, well, you know, yeah, I'm not saying we don't need to help more. We do. I mean, obviously we need to help. We need to help uh, more people that are in poverty, right? So we can give them more opportunity and, and unlock more doors for them. You know, if we, if, if we possibly can, if that's, the, if that's what we can do. Wonderful. Um, but we still have to, I think we still have to build up that mentality in people that, you know, they can do it, that they, you can do it no matter who you are. Because I think, because I mean, at some point somebody has to break the cycle, right? Because we can all sit around and go like, I'm a victim and I can, I can't get ahead because of this, this and that. And as soon as you do that, I think you lock your fucking mind off to all the things you could achieve. You know, like I could do these great things, but instead I'm saying there's no way I can do it. I can't create this podcast because it seems like it's difficult to create a podcast. I don't know anything about it. I don't know about anybody who's in it. I can't do this versus I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it and I'm going to be successful at it. You know, and I'm, fuck, I'm going to, I'm going to move from Washington DC and move to Austin, Texas. And I'm assuming a lot of people don't make that move, but I'm going to do that <laughs> and I'm going to be fucking successful at it. And I'm going to create that. I'm gonna, I want to be able to start talking to people because everything's crazy. I'm going to create a podcast and I'm going to be successful at it. You know, I, I think that that, I mean, I understand a lot of people may not like that and may not go that direction, but you know, there's a, I think there's a, there's a point, you know, I think that's the right message to teach the people. Now it's not, it's not fair. And I, I don't like, like the people who are like, Hey, you know, when you get on those online arguments and some of those people are like, I don't give a shit basically because these people should be able to do it themselves. Well, those people are fucking idiots. That's not what I mean. You know, it's the right mentality to have, but should the government help more or wherever we can help? Yes. That's the answer. Like, yes, let's, we need to fucking make some of the stuff better to make a more fair society. So I, I completely agree. 
So I, mean, I don't, maybe we weren't disagreeing on that. Maybe we're disagreeing on the people yeah. that like say, Hey, you need to, Oh yeah. You just got You just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even though you don't have anything. It's like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. You know, like, <laughs> like, uh, you're, cause those people are speaking out of ignorance. They don't know what they're saying. And they think they may even believe that they've achieved everything they have because of, uh, because of themselves. I mean, maybe they do believe that. Now I, I, I agree with you, Jesse, that it's, it's, it's the message. Like, like growing up, you know, I grew up during the dare, uh, period. I don't <laughs> yeah, know if you remember dare. Keep off drugs. <laughs> yeah. You know, we dared to just say no. What a failure that was. <laughs> oh my God. It didn't work on my family. <laughs> and you heard all the statistics, like, you know, one out of three black males would be dead or in jail by 21 and stuff like that, you know? And just imagine what it's like, like if you're sitting in a classroom and everybody's, everybody looks like you and you can look at your friends and probably got more than three. And you're like, one of us ain't going to make it. Like they, they tell us that every year, bro. Like, you know, one of us ain't going to make it. And if the message was different then uh, the outlook might be different. So, yeah, I think it's important for like people to go back and, uh, and to change the message to show what's possible. Because some people just don't, they honestly do not know that it's possible. They do not know that there are possibilities outside of what they see. <clears throat> I, I think I, mean, I think it's also partially a failure on the people who have accomplished that, who have, you know, risen out of poor situations. I think I think it's partially a failure on their part of pushing that message yeah. that you know what I mean? That that the people who who have brought themselves out of you know poverty or you know drug ridden places and all those kinds of things, why are they not saying anything? And that's why Obama was was so big. Like I'm not like I said I'm don't I'm not big into politics. I don't know a lot about you know his policies. I hear some of the things that people say. I'm upset that he banned flavored tobacco. I smoked clove cigarettes uh, prior to his administration and now I can't find them. It hurts every day. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's but, you know, for a lot of people, bullshit, man. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of people, it was just like, man, they, you know, look, it, it's possible. Yeah. But yeah. Changing the message. We got to change the message. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I didn't even, I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't mean to like have you on and then just like talk about race or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> Cause that was not, that was not the plan at all. I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. Like I, I didn't even hear about the black lives matter podcast till like right before, right before this. Right. So it, like that was not intentional at all, man. Um, you know, no, we can't talk about man. anything. It's just uh, obviously the most fucking pressing issue right now. Every, everything on the face of the earth is race right now. It seems like so, um, unintentional but i guess of course i guess of course it would come up um just considering yeah two i mean two (laughs) white guys can only talk about racism so much before it's like (laughs) you know no No, i mean because i mean you know and it sounds like you talk i mean it seems like you talk about a lot of social issues anyway though and just going through your facebook page it looks like there's i mean there's a lot there about that and so it makes i guess it makes for a natural conversation anyway yeah, I try to be on the on the positive side, like be the light. There's so much darkness out there that's easy to see. Like just just be the light. Just be something different. Be something positive that people can see. Uh, who who are some of your influences? You know, um podcast wise or just or, or just overall? or maybe just philosophically, you know, um 
Oh man, philosophically, I'm not that deep. Uh, well, I just mean like, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, are, are were you more of a Martin Luther King Jr. guy? Were you more of a Malcolm X guy? You know, there's some people that they go a lot of different directions. Um, yeah, I'm not I, a fighter, man. I'm not a fight. I'm not a fighter. Uh, if I can find a peaceful way, I'm passive aggressive. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach, so you passive might aggression <laughs> and underhanded comments can solve a lot of problems. <laughs> if I can find a non-physical way to do anything. Uh, that's going to be more my speed. Um, and I, I remember reading the Malcolm X uh, autobiography growing up. And uh, interesting. Very interesting. Um, I kind of want to be that person. I think I'm just, you know, I'm like 5'9", maybe 170 pounds or something. So there's not a whole lot I can do in those, <laughs> in those arenas. Yeah, I mean, you could become a cop and take some steroids. <laughs> you know, and exert your will on people. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I I wonder why people, I see people like get involved in other people's stuff and, and correct them on stuff. And I'm like, man, why do you care so much? Like, I just, <laughs> I try very hard not to, I don't try very hard not to care. I don't care about a lot. Um, and so it, 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 it right now, it's just like, things are so crazy that I feel like if I don't say something, then I'm complicit in allowing things to continue the way they are. Like, I can't sit back and be unhappy about the state of the world if I'm doing nothing. So if if I can talk for 30 minutes on my podcast about some stuff and maybe somebody listening feel differently, then great. But uh, that's about as far as I probably kind of go. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, not a protester. But yeah, I, see, not I'm against not, protesting. I'm not either. Like, I've never been a, I've never, I'm just not the protest type. I mean, it didn't have to go pretty far. Like, it had to take away my favorite tea. And then I will fucking <laughs> be in the streets. So if it would have been like, because my tea is probably like your flavored tobaccos. And it's like, dude, if, if they take my tea away from me, I will be out in the fucking streets. <laughs> okay. You want to put, you want to make me protest. I will fucking be there. <laughs> vaping, Zach. They ever, they try to do this anti-vaping shit. I'm, I'm in the streets. It's, it's some fascist bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zach's over here vaping right now. Uh, yeah. yeah I, could, I thought I could hear it in the podcast. Like yeah, he fucking, vapor, did, dude, he just does it all the time, man. Like, and he... He doesn't care. He has no shame. He has no shame whatsoever. I'm well. The thing is, I'm out of the uh, herbal blend that I normally smoke while we're <laughs> while we're doing this. Um, but yeah, yeah so I'm he, always vaping. So he's got he's got like a monster over here, and he has some vodka on the fucking table. Yeah. <laughs> People expect a certain performance from me, and I don't feel like I can accomplish that without the <laughs> without being somewhat impaired. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. raw Zach is too much to handle. <laughs> yeah, other than the social justice stuff, yeah, like uh, addiction and substance abuse and mental health are my. Uh, my not saying that you have a problem, Zach. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, he tries to self-medicate. No, um, uh, we've talked about mental health a bit because you know I've had some pretty serious, you know, we did mental old, health struggles. We did an old podcast that we removed, but it was such a good, like, it was a great podcast, but it's the audio's fucked up. Yeah, because you know, um, I'm actually I'm actually bipolar, so um, I I've I've tried to you know talk about you know what that's like, and and I I see so many people like that who are so resistant to treatment, um, and it makes me really sad, um, because because for some reason there's this like societal implication that if you're if you're taking drugs 
taking drugs, whatever they are, that are, you know, pharmaceuticals that are affecting your, your mental state, that are treating something like depression or bipolar or schizophrenia, whatever it is, that somehow that that's shameful versus taking antibiotics for your cough. Yeah. And I think that's such a ridiculous notion. Um, uh, yeah. I suffer from uh, major depression and anxiety. And uh, yeah, for many years, it was uh, way more acceptable, socially acceptable to be an alcoholic than it was to be like, oh, I'm, I suffer from depression and I'm on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicines. I, I completely understand that. Yeah, I, it just, it, it does make me very sad that the, the conversation around mental health in this country is so, so unhealthy. Um, and, and people are just so, you know, off put by the idea of taking an antidepressant or taking something like that when, when that's what, I mean, that's what a lot of people need, you know, (laughs) because, you know, I've done therapy for like five or six years now and there, you know, therapy can only do so much no matter how good your therapist is, you know? Yeah. And and I've always I've always likened it to you know if you have if you have depression or, or or whatever is you know you're dealing with some kind of addiction you're driving a car stuck in first gear and yeah. and you know medication is something that can get you maybe shifted into third gear so you can start to get where you're going a little bit faster so you can start to work on the things because work on the things that are plaguing you because when you have that kind of mental illness obviously your thought patterns are all kinds of fucked up you know how you think about things is all kinds of messed up because you know you're perceiving the world through this totally different lens um and that affects how you think about things so when you when you remove a lot of the elements of you know how your how your mental illness is affecting you you can start to see things more clearly and work on the problems that are actually problems and not just in your head caused by, you know, your chemical imbalances, whatever it is. Um, and it makes me sad to see a lot of people resistant to doing that because, you know, it, if, if you can get better, you should want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, uh, yeah. Sometimes the medication just helps you settle yourself enough so that you can pay attention to the therapy, so that you can really mm-hmm. participate in a therapy. I want to have you had this experience, Zach. Uh, I've recently, with all of the uh, attention that's been given to my mental health, I've noticed how easy it is to be labeled schizophrenic. Like they ask you questions in these things that are like, like I give the right answers because I know if I give the real answer, they're going to tell me I'm schizophrenic. But like. Sometimes they add, they ask you like if, if you have delusions of grandeur or if you you know if you think I think they asked me if I think thought I had superpowers I know I don't have superpowers but yeah occasionally I, you know I drift yeah. off into a fantasy where maybe I could move maybe I could bend that spoon if I just yeah. try it a little harder <laughs> oh yeah man I totally get it oh yeah I think everyone thinks they could be fucking president no problem yeah. you know uh, uh, to me that's not. Now, there's a difference, you know, having some kind of narcissistic personality disorder or some kind of schizophrenia where you think you're fucking God or whatever. I mean, to me, there's a big difference between that. And it's like, man, I really wish I fucking had telekinesis or whatever it is. If I say that, they're going to tell me I'm schizophrenic. They're going to put me away. That's the thing is is crazy people don't know they're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. 
but no, yeah, uh, the conversation around mental health in this country is, oh God, it's just so terrible. And, and I feel so bad for, you know, because I, I've tried to be very open about it because I think that's really important. I think that more people talking about it in a public setting is, is one of the only ways we can move things forward because you've got people who are like, man, I feel like that too. You know, because even though you feel so isolated and alone, in reality, there are a ton of people who are experiencing almost exactly the same thing you are, you know, Um, and, and I, I think it's just the, because of how mental health is treated, I think that increases the isolation that people feel, feel, and makes them more resistant to seeking help. Yeah, yeah, now growing up, it was always a, I just, that's the devil. I needed to go to church more. That was the thing. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't pray hard enough. And that's why I, I felt bad. That's why I was depressed. So, yeah, so, no, I, I'm big on mental health. So it created a, a sense of shame or something like that? Yeah, a little bit. Like I said, it was, it was, it was way easier to be like, yeah, I drink a lot <laughs> than to be, you know, I'm depressed. Like that was, I could get away with that. Like if you saw me every, every time you saw me, if I was you know, somewhat impaired, that wasn't yeah. the issue, but it, if every time you saw me, I was like, man, I'm, I'm going through a, uh, a fit of depression right now. Like, that's not a conversation anybody wants to have. Yeah. If you're, if you're, you know, you're drinking yourself to death or, or always high, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, people laugh at that, you know, like, yeah. oh, he's drunk again. <laughs> he's <laughs> fucked up. You know, you know, you know how he is. Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to, as opposed to being honest about depression or something like that. Yeah. yeah being an alcoholic makes you a life of the party and uh, being depressed makes you crazy yeah no and it's just a shame that people are so afraid to speak out and be upfront about their about what they're going through because in reality i i just see it like everyone has their problems you know nobody's perfect whether it's depression or whether it's you know just not meeting your own expectations or, or whatever it is. The the people who are happy allegedly have tons of problems too. Um, and the idea that some problems are more shameful than other problems is, is ridiculous to me because as long as you're admitting what's going on and as long as you're trying to make yourself better, there's no reason to hide anything. Yeah, so if you're listening, Yeezy, uh, it's okay. You can admit that this was an episode and that you were off your meds. Forgive you. <laughs> it's okay. Man, I'll mail, you, I'll mail you some lithium. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you end up on an FBI watch list, Zach. <laughs> if anybody I know is on an FBI watch list, it's definitely, it's definitely Zach. <laughs> Um, no, I, I wish we would have focused more on uh, mental health the whole time. That would have been a good, that have been a good conversation. I didn't really think much about it until later. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this was this was a good conversation, and you know, we'd definitely like to have you on again sometime. And maybe talk about some more mental health stuff because I, uh, that's really important to me as well. I want yeah, to give absolutely. You, I want to give you the opportunity to shamelessly plug whatever you want to do. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what is TWS is the podcast, all one word, W-H-A-T-I-S, TWS. Um, you can find me on any of the 
big platforms or whatever. I don't know. I'm everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, whatever it is. Um, I also do a live show on Get Vocal, G-E-T-V-O-K-L.com, Tuesdays at 9 Eastern. So if you want to interact face-to-face or camera-to-camera, you can tune into my Get Vocal show in the evening with Flan. And uh, I discuss, it's the same kind of conversation, man, just discuss everything from mental health to what's happening with the Kardashians or whatever's going on in the world at the time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Uh, I think this was, I think this was a very timely discussion. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. I really appreciate it, man. No, I appreciate you guys. I enjoyed it. All right. Uh, well, I think we're going to call it a day. I'm going to stop recording. Hang on one sec. <laughs>